Shalom, shalom everyone. Good evening. Good evening to everyone that is joining. Thank you for joining tonight. Uh, I just want to make sure that the sound is good, that we don't have any issues with sound and that you can hear me. So if you would just write something on the chat, on the YouTube chat, let me know. Give me a thumbs up if the sound is good or just let me know that everything is good, amen. I'm gonna give a couple minutes to make sure that the sound is correct. Amen. Go ahead and just let me know on the YouTube chat if the sound is correct and everything sounds good so that we can proceed. Amen. Thank you, Angie. All right. So welcome, everyone. Thank you so much for joining tonight. I am so excited. I guess you can hear it in my voice that I have a big old smile on my face because today's message is just, it's just so beautiful. It ministered to me so much and I saw Joshua in a whole new light. Um, and I just can't wait to share this teaching with all of you. Um, so without further ado, let's go ahead and dive in with prayer. Oh, but before we do that, I do have some amazing news that I want to share with all of you. Um, for those who do not know me, my name is Pastor Evelyn and I pastor a church with my husband at, in the area of Hialeah. So we, we are called, uh, the name of the church is In One Spirit Miami Church. And if you want a little bit more information about us, you can log on to our website, which is inonespiritchurch.com. And you can also look us up on YouTube like we are right now, in one spirit church, um, in one spirit church on YouTube and also on Facebook, In One Spirit Miami Church. Now, we do have a lot of podcasts. Uh, we always mention our podcast, but today we actually got some amazing news and I just give all the glory to God. Amen. So for those of you um, who know, we are on Apple, Google, Spotify, Anchor, Radio Public, Breaker, CastBox, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Stitcher, and Reason. But drum roll, please. <laughs> we are now on iHeartRadio and Amazon Music and Audible, Bible Audible. So we are just so grateful for that and um that brings us to 14 podcasts with the last three being huge iHeartRadio, amazon music and bible audible is huge amen and um so we are really reaching the four corners of the earth with the truth of the lord um for those of you who do not know us we are a torah observant community that means that we believe in Yeshua, which is Jesus. We have given our heart to him. We recognize him as our savior. 
um, we are just, um, we have surrendered to him, we serve him, but we do understand um, that the Torah has not, has not been done away with. We observe Torah to the best of our ability. Um, no, we are not Jewish by blood, but we are a grafted in nation, according to Romans 11. Um, we are grafted into the wealth, to the um, to the commonwealth of Israel. So we come alongside of Israel as brothers and sisters. And so we believe that um, the biblical feast are are important and they should be observed. Um, we believe that um, the Sabbath is still the biblical Sabbath, which is Saturday, not Sunday. Um, we believe in eating kosher, eating um, biblically clean. We're actually in the middle of uh, a three-week series, which Pastor Leo said that it looks like it's going to have to be a four-week series because of how much information he's bringing on Saturday. He, he even said, I just can't wait for people's faces on Saturday. It's just going to be so good. I can't wait because he doesn't show me his notes. So I have to, you know, I, I have to wait like everybody else. But I'm just so excited. We are in this, in the middle of the series, Does God Really Care What I Eat? That's the title of our series. Does God Really Care What I Eat? And so if you have not seen the first two parts, I encourage you to go ahead and watch it. It's on our YouTube and it's also on our Facebook. I think we shared the link on our Facebook too. If not just, it's on our YouTube. So um, so this is, this is what we believe. This is um, definitely uh, what we believe to be sound doctrine. I believe that the church has strayed away from sound doctrine and it's a shame. Um, so we believe that we are to walk as Joshua walked and Joshua was Torah observant. And yes, Joshua was Jew. He was Jewish. We're not, but we are grafted into that nation and we are his people. Amen. So praise the Lord. Um, I'm just, I'm just grateful. I'm grateful what God is doing and, um, I'm in awe. I'm in awe, really, of, of just everything that he does in every day. So that was the good news. I'm extremely excited, as you can tell. But let's get into this word because, man, this word is, is just a blessing. Amen. Again, thank you for everyone that's joining. I see Mabel, Maribel, Angie. Um, what I would like to do today, I see a couple more people are watching. Um, I want everyone to give by grace for what by grace they have received i want everyone to copy this link the link of the youtube and i want you to send it to somebody i don't care who it is just send it to someone post it on your facebook right now like post it or share it or do it right now we'll give a couple moments so that everyone can do that if you want to share it on a text message on whatsapp whatever it is send it to someone because we're going to see Joshua in such a beautiful light today. And um, I just want everyone to hear it, as many people as possible. So um, go ahead and, yes, Eva, yes, praise praise him for more podcasts. That's right. Praise, praise him. All the glory goes to him. So if you are logged on, besides copying the link and besides sharing it with someone, I want everyone to interact on this chat because... I believe I'm, I'm watching the, the chat right now and I see people giving thumbs up. I see people praising God. And so that's encouraging for the one who's teaching, especially when you're teaching at a, at a church, for example, 
you know, your amens and your hallelujahs and your praise God and your mm-hmms and all that stuff, it encourages the one who's teaching to just continue, you know, continue the message and 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 just it encourages the teacher it really really does so i have the chat up and i see everyone that is logged on and i want to thank you but i want everyone to share and i want and and if something is said that is of a blessing to you if if it speaks to you if if you just want to say something or praise god do it on the chat so i see that you guys are locked into the teaching that you are involved and that you're receiving amen so um, let's go ahead and do that. And we'll just give a couple moments so that everyone can share. Um, in the meantime, also get your pens, your papers, your Bibles. I'm going to be sharing scripture, um, several, several verses. And I want everyone to have their notes because like we always say, don't take my word for it. Write notes and test test everybody everything everybody always tells you. Just test it with the word. Amen. Um, and if I can have someone, I know that... Um, my girls that are logged on on the chat, they will help me with uh, the scriptures tonight. So let's just give a couple moments to do that. Amen. Amen, Eva. Well, hi to your son if he's watching. Praise the Lord. <laughs> it's always good. I hear a lot about you, son, whatever your name is. <laughs> um, so praise God for that. Praise God. So let's go ahead and begin. Um, as we always do, we start with prayer. And um, that's the best way to start anything. Amen. So Father God, we thank you for this amazing time and amazing opportunity that you give us lord to teach your word father we never take it lightly lord we are extremely privileged and blessed to be used lord as vessels of honor for your glory i just want to thank you tonight for everyone that is joining god i want to thank you because this is these are your words lord and if they're your words they will minister lord when it's words of men, they don't minister. But when it's your words, they minister. And so I pray that it not be my words. I pray that it be your words straight from the throne, Father God. And I pray that you minister to each and every person that's watching, Father. And, you know, Scripture doesn't have to be complicated, Father. It can be a beautiful thing, Father. And I just pray that everyone who's watching either live now or may be watching on replay, Father, that, they, that you speak to them, Father, and that they see your son, Yeshua, in a different light. We thank you, Lord. We pray that you would add your blessing to this time that we are studying. And I pray, Father God, that you anoint my lips and that this word will become a rema in the heart of everyone who will be watching. Father, all we do is, is, is for you, Lord. And we pray that every word that I speak, Father, will be pleasing in your ears, Lord. We love you. We bless you. We honor you. In Yeshua's name, we pray amen amen and amen praise god christopher okay there you go hi christopher welcome so the name of this week's parsha is korach and you will see it there on your screen k-o-r-a-c-h and on the screen you also have the books and the verses 
that this parsha covers. We have the book of Numbers, chapter 16, 1 Samuel 11, and 2 Timothy, uh, chapter 2. I would also like to add to that list of scriptures, I would like to add Romans, chapter 13, verses 1 through 7. Romans, chapter 13, verses 1 through 7. Now, I know that the sisters, um, we all take turns, you know, just sharing thoughts, uh, sharing thoughts on our weekly Torah portions. Um, and they're ju just simply thoughts of what God speaks to us while we study the weekly Torah portion. And everyone has a, a different style of teaching. And, um, and that's just the way that God intended for each and every one of us. The way I like to teach uh, or, or share thoughts on uh, the week's Torah portion is basically I... I grab one point that maybe one or two points of what what I was ministered um, by uh, when reading the Torah portion and I elaborate on that because I'm sure that all of you have noticed Torah portions can be lengthy you can teach a Torah portion and you can teach it for three four or five hours and you know we, we, we don't like to take that much time um, out of everybody's everybody's evening um, but we just shared thoughts on the Torah portions. And the way, I, the way I like to teach is that I grab one or two points from what uh, the Lord ministered to me, and then I elaborate on that. Amen. And that's exactly what I'm going to be doing tonight. We're actually going to be talking tonight about the three offices of Yeshua. Three offices of Yeshua. If you're writing notes, you might want to write this down. And then we'll start reading from the book of Numbers. Chapter 17, verses 1 through 12. And then I'll be giving scripture from, you know, the Old Covenant and New Covenant. Um, as most of you know, Old Testament, New Testament, or Renewed Covenant, better say. Um, we'll, be, we'll be basically dancing all over, um, you know, the scriptures tonight. We'll be, we'll be all over the place. Um, but I'm really excited for this message. So, again, we're going to be starting in the book of Numbers, chapter 17, 1 through 12. And the word of Adonai says, Adonai spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Bene Israel and get a rod from each ancestral house, twelve staffs in all, from each prince according to his ancestral household. Write each man's name on his staff. Write Aaron's name on Levi's staff, for there is to be one staff for the prince of each tribe. Then you are to place them in the tent of meeting before the testimony. Now I want you to write the words I'm going to emphasize on because later at the very end you will understand why. So one of the words I want you to uh, write down or one of the words I want to emphasize is testimony. He said, then you are to place them in the tent of meeting before the testimony where I meet with you. It will come about that the staff of the man I choose will sprout. So the staff of the man I choose will sprout. I will then rid myself of the grumbling of Bene Israel who are grumbling against you. So Moses spoke to Bene Israel, each of their princes of their princes gave him a staff 
one staff for each prince according to their ancestral houses, 12 staffs in all, and Aaron's staff was among them. Moses placed the staffs between Adonai in the tent of testimony. The next day, Moses entered the tent of testimony, and behold, Aaron's staff from the house of Levi had sprouted, blossomed, and produced almonds. Moses then brought all the staffs from Adonai's presence to all B'nai Israel. They looked, and each man took his staff. Adonai said to Moses, Put Aaron's staff back in front of the testimony to keep as a sign to the sons of rebellion. To keep as a sign to the sons of rebellion. I'm emphasizing on that, and we'll understand why later. So that in it may put an end to their grumbling against me, and so they will not die. Moses, Moses did just as Adonai had commanded him. But B'nai Israel said to, Mo, uh, said to Moses, saying, Look, we will die. I want you to write that down. We will die. We are lost. I want you to write that down. Lost. We are lost. Anyone approaching the tabernacle of Adonai will die. Must all of us die? So here we see that the Lord commanded Moses to keep Aaron's rod before the Ark of the Covenant. And he said to keep it as a sign for future generations. Now, the book of Hebrews, and we'll read now um, in a moment, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 4. If somebody wanna write, uh, wants to write that down in the chat. Um, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 4. The book of Hebrew, Hebrews points out that Moses kept three things inside of the covenant, inside of the Ark of the Covenant. You may want to write this down. We'll actually read about it now in Hebrews 9.14. He kept three things inside the Ark of the Covenant. It says, Hebrews 9.4, a golden jar holding manna. So I want you to write that down, manna. Aaron's rod, which budded. And the tables of the covenant, which are the Ten Commandments. So there were three things inside the ark. The manna, Aaron's rod, and the Ten Commandments. Now, as I was studying this, it's so interesting because each item that was inside the Ark of the Covenant alludes to one of the three offices of Messiah, which is the main point that I want to make tonight. So each of those items alludes to one of the three offices of Messiah. Office number one, he has the office of a prophet. Office number two, he has the office of the priest, high priest. And office number three is the office of the king or of a king. And we'll elaborate more as we develop this message. So, in his first coming, Yeshua came primarily in the role of a prophet. He executed his first office in his first coming. After his ascension, after his resurrection and his ascension, he entered into the role of a, of a heavenly high priest. He executed his second office of a priest. A heavenly high priest. And when he comes again, he will reign in Zion as king. 
So his first coming, he came as a prophet. After his resurrection and ascension, he entered into the heaven, the heavens as a high priest. And when he comes again, he will reign in Zion as a king. Now, it's interesting because the, the rod that blossomed alludes to Joshua as what? I know we, we've read this before plenty of times. The rod that blossomed, which was the second article or the second item that God told Moses to put inside of the Ark of the Covenant, was the righteous branch. It alludes to Joshua as the righteous branch that came back to life and has been given the authority and the infallible name, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Now, it's so interesting because Aaron's rod was not hooked up to the root. This rod was disconnected from a root and yet still blossomed. It still budded. And it's so interesting to me because he is the root. And if we are connected to him, we will also bud and blossom and we will grow spiritually. Usually, the, 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 a, a rod or, or a piece of branch needs to be connected to the root or to the, to, to the, to the trunk of a tree. But this, this rod or this branch or whatever you want to call it, it, was, it, was, it wasn't connected to anything. It was sitting in a box, so to say. And it budded because there is life in Joshua. Amen. Philippians 2 verse 9 says we can write that down in the chat philippians 2 9 says god highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above all names it's amazing christopher said track down aaron's rod in scripture if you want your mind blown amen amen we definitely got to do that Track down Aaron's rod in scripture. I'm writing that down, brother. <laughs> so he is the high priest in the heavenly temple. He is the high priest in the heavenly temple, the highest priest of the order of Melchizedek, which is seated at the right hand of God. Now, it's interesting because we want to connect these three articles that were in the Ark of the Covenant with the three offices of messiah the three articles remember i said it was manna aaron's rod and the ten commandments now the three offices of messiah is prophet priest and king now the manna symbolizes his role as a prophet the manna symbolizes his role as a prophet look at what deuteronomy 8 3 says Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 3 it says he fed you with manna that he might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone but man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of God now I love that manna symbolizes his role as a prophet because manna is the word of God Nowadays, in modern Christianity, you have a prophet 
that they name themselves prophets all the time. Now everyone is a prophet, right? Everyone is a prophet. And they 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 name themselves prophet and they begin to prophesy of how much money you're gonna make, how much um material things you're going to gain, um, what relationships you're gonna have, um, when you're gonna get married. They prophesy all these things, but a true prophet will always speak the word. A true prophet will always speak the word. They are not led by their emotions, or at least they should not be. I've seen that one too many times where a prophet begins to speak the word of God, but then they, they, they take a detour and they begin to speak out of emotion and they begin to tell you whatever, they, whatever comes to mind. And then they say that God told them. We have to be careful when we say God told me or God is showing me or I see God doing this or I see God doing that in your life. We have to be very, very careful. Now, when I, when I was studying manna and how it symbolizes to the role of a prophet, and I was looking at Deuteronomy 8, verse 3. It says that he fed you with manna. A true prophet will feed you the word of God. And the word of God will take care of bringing conviction in your life so that you can repent and you can turn from your ways. So a true prophet will always feed you Manna, and manna is the word of God. It says in Deuteronomy 8.3, it says, He will feed you with manna that he might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. So Yeshua is that manna. You know, it amazes me because, you know, when, when the Israelites were walking in the desert and manna became began to rain from heaven little did they know that it was yeshua raining on them because manna is yeshua is known as that manna we we see it here in scripture even in john chapter 6 verse 40 40 or 41 i believe it says that he is the bread that comes out of heaven he is that manna and so a true prophet will always lead you to the Father using the word. They will never lead you in their emotions. I've seen it in my family where we have been in services where a prophet was pointing at someone in my family and says you get up and they begin to tell you you're going to have and they begin to they began to say you're going to have this business and you're going to travel here and you're going to travel there and this person in my family was actually you know very excited and looking forward to it. and they took they took steps they took steps that pertained to that um prophecy and they crashed into the wall in such a a, a, a difficult way a, a, a harsh way they crashed into the wall why because it wasn't it wasn't god's will it was words of man that were being said and so people walk in, in into into these um prophecies and they begin to do things to 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 fulfill that prophecy because they think it's the will of god and then they crash very very hard against the wall and then you realize it was never really god that spoke through that person so we have to be careful amen so we see that the manna symbolizes 
the role, uh, the first um, office as of Joshua, which is a prophet. Aaron's rod that budded symbolizes his resurrection and priestly ministry. I'm going to say that again. Aaron's rod that budded symbolizes Joshua's resurrection and priestly ministries. And he is now seated at the right hand of the father. So we talked about the manna, how it symbolized the prophet. We talked about Aaron's rod, how it symbolized the priesthood, his priestly ministry. And now we get to the, the, uh, the Ten Commandments or the tables of the covenant. This symbolizes or it alludes to Yeshua's third office, which is the role of king and lawgiver. A lot of people say, well, it was God that gave the law, uh, God the Father that gave the law, not Yeshua. Well, we'll talk about this in, in, in a couple moments, how they're, they're one. There are, there are not three entities. There are not three different people like the Trinitarians would like to um, teach. They are one. They are Echad. God is one. Do they manifest themselves in different ways? Yes, we see Yeshua. We see God manifested as God the Father. We see God manifested as the Son. And then we see the breath of God, which is the spirit, the Ruach of God. So we see it manifested in breath, in man, and in God the Father. So we see now that the tables of the covenant or the Ten Commandments, if you would, that was the third article inside the Ark of the Covenant, symbolized his role as a king and as a lawgiver. So when God the Father gave the law at Mount Sinai, Yeshua was giving the law himself as well, because they are one. And in the Messianic era, all nations, beloved, all nations will be subject to Yeshua, and the Torah will go forth from Zion. This is biblical. All nations will be subject to this. They will be subject to Messiah and they will be subject to Torah. That's why everything we do now as Torah observant believers is a rehearsal to what is to come. Amen. Now, Psalms 110 verse 2. I pray you are receiving so far. Psalms 110 verse 2 says Adonai will extend your might your mighty rod from Zion rule in the midst of your enemies so we will see this we will see this in the messianic era now let's examine this a little closer let's get a little bit more into his first office as a prophet now a prophet like i mentioned earlier shows us the way to salvation and God's will through the word. Not man's word. God's word. A prophet is one who speaks what the father spoke. A prophet is someone that will come to tell you the word so that you can repent and turn. Deshuvah. Repent and turn. And I, and I, and I always try to explain that. Repentance is not staying in the same place that you are at. Repentance is a change of course. Repentance is a change of attitude. Repentance is a change of direction. Repentance is not, it's not, I'm sorry I got caught. Repentance is conviction 
and a change of course. That is true repentance. And God will know this because he sees our heart. And so a prophet will always come with the scripture. You want to test if a prophet is a true prophet? Test to see if they're coming with the word of the Father. Test it. If they are not coming with the words with the words of the Father, which is the will of the Father, I would tread lightly, take it to God, and let God confirm what he needs to confirm before you put that prophecy into practice. And that is sound advice that I'm giving you right now. So, Yeshua is the very word of the Lord himself. And in John 1, 1, it says, In the beginning was the word. If Yeshua was the word, then in the beginning was Yeshua. And the word was with God. If Yeshua is the word, then Yeshua was with God. And the word was God. If Yeshua is the word, then Yeshua was God. So I, this, is, this is the verse that I think Trinitarians don't understand. In the beginning was Yeshua, and Yeshua was with God, and Yeshua was God. This is clear in scripture. So Yeshua as a king and as a lawgiver, it was, it, was, it was God himself giving the law, Yeshua himself giving the law at Mount Sinai. Also in John 1.14, it says, As one continues to read, it is seen that the word was Yeshua in the flesh. So we understand that Yeshua is the word. He is the ultimate prophet and he fulfills every prophecy in scripture. Now, in the Old Testament, now when the word fulfill does not mean to do away with. The word fulfill means to uphold, to put into practice. That's why in the book of Matthew in chapter 5 verse 17, I believe, he says, don't think I came to do away with the Torah but I came to fulfill it. It doesn't mean I don't think I came to do away with the Torah, but to fulfill it, which would mean to do away with or to destroy. That would really not make sense if you read it as fulfill, meaning destroy. Because if we read it that way, we would read it as do not, do not think I came to do away with the Torah. I have not come to do away with it. I have come to destroy it or to abolish it. So it doesn't make sense when you read scripture Correctly, the word fulfill means to uphold, to put into practice. And so we need to understand this. God is one. And Yeshua is the word of God. He's the ultimate prophet. And he fulfilled the, the uh, prophecies in the Old Testament. Now, that's him as a prophet. Now, let's dive into him as a priest. The second office, the priestly office. Yeshua brings fulfillment to the Old Testament sacrificial system. That's why we do not have to do sacrifices. As a matter of fact, we are living sacrifices because we are surrendered to him. When we surrender to him, we are living sacrifices, but we don't have to sacrifice because he is our ultimate sacrifice. He took our place. He is our kapara. He is our substitute. He took the place that we rightly deserved. So there is no more uh, sacrificial system because he fulfilled that. Now let's read what Hebrews 10, 
verse 3 through 7 says. Everybody turn to Hebrews 10, verse 3 through 7. Amen, Jenny. The one we follow didn't come with his own agenda. That's right. Chris says, false prophets twist scripture for their own selfish gain. Test their heart and see if it's the Father's will. That's right. Amen. And we, unfortunately, we we believe this in, in the past. We would, I, I can confess, I would be the first one to know that there's a prophet coming to, to, um, to a church service and I would want to sit in the front row so that the prophet can see me point to me and tell me a couple of words that was just that was just my thing back in you know back in the day um but but I'm just so grateful that you know how God does he removes the veils from our eyes I'm grateful that he did that because you know and 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 and, and we never we never teach this in a way to condemn anybody that <clears throat> may be still blinded to this because we were there once so we can't really condemn people um but we have to pray for them because it's so beautiful that scripture says that when god teaches torah he is when, when god allows us to see the truth of torah it's him being generous to us there's a psalm that says that it doesn't come to my mind right now a psalm that said that when he unveils our eyes and shows us torah he is being generous to us so if you have, if your eyes have been unveiled, if, if, if the veil has been removed from your eyes and you are acknowledging Torah and the importance of observing Torah to the best of your ability, because we will never really get it right, then, then you should rejoice because it's God's generosity on you. It's God's generosity on you. And so it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And so we pray for those. I still have family members that, you know, they love me. I love them. And, and and you know they're they're in the modern christianity circle and and i i respect them and 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 they know you know what i teach and they ask questions and and i try to teach them with love because i i want to bring them with love right if you go out there and condemn people you shun them away so we have to use wisdom um but i pray for these family members because i know they will see i know they will see this is this is something that 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 god promises us and 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 we have to pray for our families amen let's read what hebrews 10 3 through 7 says it says but in these sacrifices is a reminder of sins year after year for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins so when messiah comes into the world he says sacrifice and offering you did not desire but a body you prepared for me in whole burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not delight then i said behold i come to do your will O god and i don't know what version you're reading i'm i'm reading the tlv which is the tree of life version and it says behold i come to do your will O god and in parentheses it says in the scroll of the book it is written about me or of me. So it's clear. People think that Yeshua starts that, that Yeshua starts in the book of Matthew. Yeshua is all over the Old Testament. It's all about Yeshua in every in every aspect. It's all about Yeshua in the Old Testament. He does not he does not magically appear in the in the book of Matthew as as we have so often believed. Amen. So we see here that 
Joshua, okay, he fulfilled that sacrificial system. So there's no more there's there's no more need for sacrifices. Also in the book of Psalm 103 verse 12 Psalm 103 verse 12 says Joshua through his obedience is the atoning sacrifice for all of God's people as he bore their sins took them up himself and cast them as far as east is from the west praise praise the Lord now Joshua as a priest we've been studying the um we've studied uh Genesis um we studied Exodus and Numbers and Leviticus. We studied all of these books and we have seen what priests do. What do they do? They plead for the people. They intercede for the people. And in the office of priesthood, which is his second office, Joshua pleads for his people. Just as priests would do in the Old Testament. As a matter of fact, Hebrews 4.15 Hebrews 4.15, it says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize. Now, this is so powerful. Who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Now, this is so amazing because there is this, this, this spirit, which is the spirit of shame that comes upon the people of God. Even after you repent for maybe something that you've been tempted to do maybe you felt the temptation but didn't give in but maybe you felt the temptation and did give in maybe at a specific moment in your life your flesh won the battle and your spirit lost you know it's it's interesting because the one you feed the most is the one that's going to win so if you feed your spirit your spirit will win this tug of war battle that we have on an everyday basis. But if you don't feed it, then your flesh will win. And so for the people of God, when there is a temptation, maybe you fell into the temptation or maybe you felt the temptation and you were shamed about it or you fell short. The Bible says we fall short every single day or whatever it is. You know, there even after we repent, and I don't know if it's happened to any of you, but I know it's happened to me, and I, I can be transparent about it. I I've I have fallen in into some type of sin or I have or I have I don't know, I, I was tempted to do something and, and I went with the temptation or whatever it is, and I repent because immediately the spirit convicts me. Immediately. I feel this this tug in my spirit that says what you did was wrong. Um I, I feel heavy, um, I feel heavy hearted and I know I have to I have to repent. I have to repent, I have to ask for forgiveness, I have to teshuvah, and I have to ask the, 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 the spirit of God to help me not fall into that temptation again. So I don't know if this has happened to you, but when you repent, still after you, after you repent, the spirit of shame comes upon you and it will not leave you alone. It will not, you have to pray your way through that. Until you finally feel free again. That has happened to me. And it's the spirit of shame that the enemy wants to place on us. So we feel that our repentance is not enough. Gosh, I, 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 I hope you guys can understand me. It feels like your repentance is not enough. It feels that, he, that God has not forgiven you. And that even though you repented, it's not good enough. 
It's not enough to cover your sin. And so that spirit of shame keeps creeping in and making you feel unworthy. Now, I love this scripture we just read. Because it says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But one who in every respect has been tempted. I want to remind everyone that Yeshua knows every single temptation that is known to man under the heavens. I'm going to say that again. Yeshua knows every single temptation, every single weakness that is known on earth under the heavens. He was 100% man and he was 100% God. But in his manhood, he knew, he witnessed, he felt those weaknesses. He felt and he went through those same temptations. But he was without sin. Now, when the spirit of shame tries to creep in, I draw back to Hebrews 4.15. And I remember that in his second office as a priest, he intercedes for me when I feel shamed. He is pleading for my cause. Why? He is pleading to the Father on my behalf because he, he is not unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. And he knows every one of them. Because he lived every one of them. And I, and, and, and I, I am certain that he went through every weakness and every temptation to understand us when we draw back to him. When we draw near to him. Scripture says when we draw near to him, he draws near to us. <coughs> so as a man, he went through all that weaknesses. He experienced all those weaknesses. He experienced all the temptations known to man so that he would understand you when you draw near to him and you repent. And therefore, as a priest, as the, as the job of a priest, he pleads for his people before the Father. Also, Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25. Let's read some of these comments here. Amen. Jenny, forgive us, Lord. Yes, Father. I pray God gives the will and the want. Amen. Chris, for seven times a, right, a righteous man falls and rises, but the wrong one stumbles into evil. Proverbs 24, 16. That's right. We will all fall, but the righteous man will rise. And it's not self-righteousness. It's the righteousness we find in Joshua. You know, too many people try religion and try to be self-righteous. Like, look what I do and look what, what I, you know, what... The, the way I pray and, and, and look at all the scriptures I can quote and look how I have a, their life is a facade because it's religion right and they and, and, and they live as self-righteous people there is nothing we can do beloved nothing we can do that can make us righteous you may fool people but you can never fool the father and so yes we will fall but the righteous man in Yeshua will rise up again so hebrews 7 25 says consecutively he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to him to draw who draw near to god through him since he always come on say it he always lives 
to make intercession for his people. He's interceding for you right now, beloved. He is interceding for you right now. You know those times that you have drawn to pray, you've taken time to pray, and words don't come out of your mouth? It's okay. Just sit in silence because you have a high priest who's sitting on heavenly places at the right hand of the Father, interceding on your behalf. You know, sometimes we, 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 we just want to talk so much during prayer. But you know prayer is also staying silent in the presence of the Lord? Because it's a two-way relationship. We speak to God and God speaks to us. But too many times we are, we're, we're, we're asking God, give me, give me, give me, do for me, do for me, do for me. Or open doors, open doors, open doors. But yet we seldom sit in silence to hear what the Father has to say. And so in those moments, be still. Be silent. And let the, let the Father minister to your heart. We don't always have to come up with lavish prayers and lavish words. We just have to sit quietly in his presence because it says that Yeshua is always and always lives to make intercession for his people. Hallelujah. Also, Romans chapter 8, verse 34. Amen, Maribel. Once we come to him in full repentance. Yes, that's right. Romans 8, 34. Who is to condemn? Yeshua is the one who died. More than that, who was raised. Come on, that Aaron, that, that Aaron's rod that budded. Remember that. More than that, who was raised. Who is at the right hand of God. Who indeed is interceding for us. So we saw his office as a prophet. Which alludes to the manna as he is the bread of life. We see his office as a priest who alludes to... The, the, the priesthood, which is Aaron's staff or Aaron's rod that budded because he is life. He, 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 he has life inside. He is life. Amen. And now we enter into the third office, which is his kingship. So Yeshua is not just a prophet. He's not just a priest, but he is the sovereign king. And Revelation 19 says it so beautifully. He's, it says that he is the king of kings and lord of lords. There's many kings and there's many lords with, with, um, with a small L. Not lords with a capital L. There's many kings and there's many lords. But he is the king of kings and he is the lord of lords. Also Isaiah chapter 6 verse 1 Isaiah chapter 6 verse 1 it says in the year of King Uzziah's death I saw Adonai sitting on a throne high and lifted up and the train of his robe filled the temple now there is a beautiful song with those same lyrics and it, it just takes you to a whole nother level the train of his robe filled the temple as a king does in his courts hallelujah now in your time i'd like you to read revelation 4 verse 1 through 11 it talks more about his kingship revelation 4 1 through 11 so we see that the work of joshua is for his people and he is redeeming them from their sin and restoring them to a right standing with god the father 
Now, remember when we read earlier in the book of Numbers, verses 1 through 12, we talked about the people were grumbling and they were saying that they were lost and they were saying that they were going to die. Well, in his offices, in the offices of Yeshua, which is a prophet, a priest, and a king, he accomplishes the right standing. He accomplishes the, re the work of redemption. And he accomplishes the restoring people to right standing with God. He accomplishes, he accomplishes all this through, through the, he executes it and he accomplishes through the offices of a prophet, a priest, and a king. So all of his work is for his people. And it's all about redemption and restoration. And he accomplishes redemption and restoration to a right standing with God the Father through executing the three offices of a prophet. What does a prophet do? He leads you into right standing with God through the word of God and the will of God. He restores because he pleads to the Father for the people. It's a, it's a, it's a powerful thing. And then he is the king who reigns over the people. So he is the word of God and he is our sacrifice and our mediator. And he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Now look at what 1 Timothy 1.15 says. 1 Timothy 1.15. Remember we read about the testimony in, num in, in, in the book of Numbers chapter 10. Um, Chapter 17. Look at what 1 Timothy 1.15 says. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Yeshua came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. So the people were grumbling because they were lost and they would die. What does sin do? When you are in sin, you are dead in, you are dead in sin. You are dead when you are in sin. You are alive when you are forgiven. So they were grumbling because they were going to die. And they were grumbling because they were lost. But there was an ark in the, in, 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 in the tent of meeting, in the tent of testimony. There was an ark and there were three items inside the ark. That were used as a sign. Remember those words I emphasized earlier. As a sign to the people for generations to come. What was that sign? That sign was that yes you may be dead. And yes you may be lost. But inside the ark. There are three elements that allude to the three offices of Messiah. As a prophet who will lead you. Come on. Who will lead you with the, with the word of God to the will of the Father. Who is a priest who will intercede for you. And you will be forgiven and you will be found. And there is a king that will reign over you. The three offices of Messiah were in the Ark of the Covenant. The manna, the Aaron's budded rod, and the Ten Commandments. The prophet, the king, the uh, priest, 
and the king. They were in the Ark of the Covenant as a testimony in the tent of meeting as a testimony and as a sign to all generation. Paul says in 1 Timothy 2, 5 through 6, For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and man. That, met, that this man, Yeshua, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony, come on, which is the testimony given at the proper time. This is the testimony that they were talking about. In the presence of God, as in the tent of meeting, as a testimony and as a sign, the Ark of the Covenant was before the people as a representation of Yeshua that he would come for the ones who would proclaim that they were dead and the ones who would proclaim that they were lost. He came to redeem and he came to restore and he accomplished this through the work of his offices, which is through the work of a prophet, a priest and a king. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I was just so ministered with this word as I was studying because I see Yeshua in a different light now. He's not just my savior or, you know, the, the, the one who came to, 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 to save humanity. No, he is my prophet. He is my priest and he is my king. And he executes these offices in my life daily. To keep me redeemed. Because that's one thing. He redeems us. But it's our job through the sanctification of the word of God to stay redeemed. He redeems me through the washing of the word. And he restores me every single day to be in right standing with God the Father. Because every day we fall short. So Joshua is not just a prophet. He's not just a priest. He is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And I see now Joshua... In a different light as how as he how and I and I see how he executes these offices in my life on a daily basis. Come on, and for that I give him all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. It was just not, it wasn't just three simple articles inside the Ark of the Covenant. No, Yeshua was there as a testimony, like Paul says in 1 Timothy, that the testimony will be given at the proper time. That's why a lot of people want to beat other people across the head with the Bible. But God has a time for everyone. All we need to do is pray and plant the seed. But we cannot do the job of the Spirit. The job of the Spirit is to convict and to draw people to the truth. It's a very heavy cross to carry when we want to convince people ourselves. And when people are not being convinced, we get upset. We begin to grumble. We begin to, to complain. That happens when we begin to try to do the work of the Spirit. We are not the Spirit. We simply pray and we plant the seed. And that testimony of the three offices of Joshua will be given at the proper time for everyone to Teshuvah. I pray that you receive tonight. I don't know but about you, but this really ministered to me. It really helped me see Joshua in a different light. And he is just so much more than my savior. He's everything. He's everything to me. He is my prophet, my priest, and my king. And so I want to thank you tonight 
if you want my notes i like i always say i'm more than willing to share them um just write me a message and, and let me know and then you can in your own time look through the scriptures and read it but i pray that you receive tonight i pray that you are you were blessed amen as as i was blessed when i was studying this word so father as we close we ask that you would continue to be with us during during this week father understanding that tomorrow is shabbat tomorrow is preparation day and shabbat and we honor you we glorify your name we understand that it is a privilege and a delight father to enter into your rest we thank you for your love father we thank you for your mercy and your goodness a lot of times we forget how good you really are to us father we forget how faithful you are lord even when we're so unfaithful to you thank you for your son that is our prophet thank you for your son who is our priest and thank you for your son who is our king we bless you tonight and we honor you in the name of Yeshua, we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Shalom.